following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles, if you would, as you remain standing for the reading of God's Word to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50. While you're turning there, just to kind of go over a couple things as far as what we're doing this week. This is Family Revival 2022, so welcome to Family Revival. Now, this is a time of the year that we want to pause And we want to just focus on being revived in our hearts as families, fathers, mothers, uh, grandparents, aunts, uncles, children, whatever it may be. We want to to get a little bit of a redirection. So this morning we're going to be kicking things off, looking at the life and times of Joseph and uh, uh, the ups and downs that he experienced. Tonight I'll be uh, talking uh, about uh, talking tonight. So this evening, we're going to be getting into uh, some things that are going to be a little more family-focused, um, and it's, it's really going to be talking with our kids about a lot of what's taking place in the world today. How do we discuss things such as the gender issues and things like that with our children? When they come home and they start asking questions, how do we do that? And um, all, of the, uh, uh, all of the things that we're going to be looking at this week We're going to be doing this as a family, and so I understand that there are going to be young people in the audience, and we need to understand what they are being inundated with and be able to help them navigate it. And so there'll even be a time at the end of it for Q&A. I'll do the best that I can. I'm definitely no expert, but then Monday we're going to be looking at biblical masculinity and femininity. What uh, What is it to be masculine or feminine in a biblical sense? And then uh, Tuesday night, it's going to be family fun night. We're going to have a great time, and so be out here for that. And Wednesday night will be the closing night in the family rally, so you come on out and, and uh, mark your, uh, your calendar so that you're able to be here for it. We would like to be able to have all of these live streamed. I understand uh, there are some that may not be able to make it, and we'd like to have that uh, accomplished, but many hands make light work. And so if you're interested in being able to be a help, uh, see Keegan and Allison at the conclusion service. Call them if you have their contact information. Uh, but we, uh, we do want to make sure that we're able to be a help to you and a help to one another. And so be an encouragement to uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you would, please. Now that I'm sure we've all found the book of Genesis, look at chapter number 50 with me. We're going to read starting in verse 15. The word of the Lord there says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, 
And Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee trespass, uh, they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for, I, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning we're going to focus on the way uh, life can have a lot of ups and downs. And C.S. Lewis, in writing about this uh, in his uh, screw tape letters, he refers to peaks and troughs, the peaks and the troughs. And it, life is so much uh, like this, and if you, if you don't realize it, then apparently you have not lived for very long, that there are going to be high points, and there are going to be low points. And then again, after that, there'll be another high point, and then there'll be another low point. And the, the idea that we need to start to come at this uh, with is there is a purpose and a point to every single high, but there's also a purpose and a point to every single low. And I believe personally that the Lord wants us in those high points and in those low points. But so many people, they get this idea in their, li- in their, in their mind, well, you don't want to be on a high and you don't want to be on a low. You want to stay right there in that middle ground, kind of like a Mazda engine. There is, no, there is no second, third gear. It's just one gear, right? You just want to stay right there where everything is okay, status quo. I'm not down in the dumps and I'm not up on the mountaintop. You see, that's when we get complacent, right there in that midpoint. I don't believe that that's where the Lord wants us. I believe he wants us ever moving upward, ever trying to get up to the next higher point. When we're down in the, in the valleys and we're in the depths of despair, where do we have to look but up? When we're up on the mountaintop, what are we doing? We're rejoicing, praising him. That's where we need to be. We don't want to be in that mediocre, everything's just case sirrah, sirrah. We want to be able to uh, know that what's going on in our life has a point and a purpose. Today, I'd like to take a look at the life of Joseph. And as we go through this account, uh, you're going to notice some high points and some low points in his life. Now, if you're here and you're a parent, or you're a child, or you're an aunt or an uncle, or your uh, fourth cousin, teen times removed, whatever it may be. You have a place in this uh, account. We're going to look at several different things, and I want to try to draw application as we go through it all. Drop back to the, book of Ge- to the uh, 37th chapter of the book of Genesis with me. So go back in your, in your Bibles there to chapter 37. And let's just kind of start taking a look at this uh, life of Joseph 
Now, those of you who know him, Joseph, I'm sorry, his color, his coat was not technicolor dream. Okay. It was a multicolored coat, but we're not going down the technicolor. All right. We want to take a look here. In Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 1, it says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. We'll come back to that here in just a moment. Kids, I need you to do me a big favor. I need you all to be paying close attention because moms and dads have a tendency to fall asleep and think about football games later. And so on the ride home this afternoon, someone's going to need to bring them back up to date on what was talked about. And there's going to be a few things in this message that is going to be directed towards your moms and dads. But that here's what happens. We typically focus on what do the other people in here need to hear. And moms and dads have a tendency to think, I hope my child is paying attention. And you too are probably thinking, I hope my parents are paying attention. And so on the way home, you'll be able to bring each other up to speed and remind them, now don't forget, don't forget. I want you all paying close attention with this, if you would, and keep dad awake. Joseph... In our story here, uh, it's, it, and I really don't like the term story because it brings to mind things like uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, uh, um, the uh, uh, Aesop's fables, you know, the, the boy who cried wolf. This is an actual historical account. And what we find here in the book of Genesis is not just some fanciful fairy tale uh, that uh, parents told their kids at nighttime. This was an actual occurrence. This is one of the things that I love about God's Word. God's Word just puts it all out there, warts and all. You know, fairy tales, they have the beautiful princess that felt the pea 15 mattresses below, and then the mean old beast, and, and they all lived happily ever after. I'm sorry, that's not always true. The biblical account tells it as it is. And who, who would want to be remembered in history as the guy that caused a lot of problems in a dysfunctional family? No one wants to be remembered that way. But the Word of God tells the truth. What we have here before us is an interesting uh, account of a family who is, on their best days, dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Now, you all might think, well, I've got a brother that's a lot like that. I've got a sister that's a lot like that. I've got parents that are, wait a minute, hold the phone. We want to know what we're looking at today, and we want to understand where our part in this really is. Well, we find Joseph here. He's the, he's the son of Jacob. You remember Jacob? Call me Israel. Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then we got Joseph. And Joseph is the favorite the Bible lets us know here, it says in verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. More. 
Now, I'm not going to get into any debates with anybody about how you can, you can have your favorites, you can't have your favorites, you should have your favorites, you shouldn't have your favorites, you don't on these, but you don't on those. Hey, you got to keep things equal. I'm sorry. It, it, it's not very easy to keep things equal. And as a parent, I understand, you know, you're going through the store and you see something for, it brings to mind one of your kids and you're like, oh, oh, that looks just like my son. And I'm going to get it. And I think to myself, wow, this is going to be great. But then I think as I'm walking to the register, I don't have anything for my two daughters. I'm going to get a candy bar, right? Got to keep it equal. And God forbid you show up with something for one kid and the other two don't get anything right? Here's what that communicates, whether we understand it or not. You got something that he really liked, and you just tossed me a consolation prize. It really doesn't mean anything to them. And so as we go through, and one day I see something in the store, and I think, oh, that's my son. I got to pick that up. The next day we're going through the store, and I see something, oh, that's my youngest daughter. And the next day we're going, oh, that's my oldest daughter. I got to pick that up. It communicates that we're actually thinking about them. It communicates that we're actually focused in on them. And so trying to keep everything equal, I spent five bucks on this one, I better spend five bucks on that one. What are we communicating, really? But let's move away from trying to keep things equal and how you really can't keep them equal to the idea of having favorites. Jacob really made no secret. He made sure that it was out there in the open. This one is my favorite. All the rest of y'all, chopped liver. This one's my boy. Parents, we got to be careful. Now, we can look at this situation and think to ourselves, oh, what a good dad Jacob was. He loved his son. He wanted to make sure that his son knew how special he was. He was, he was really trying to dote on his, and that was really the wife he wanted anyway. He never wanted the other. Come on. We can excuse his actions as much as we want. But I want us to see the danger in this. You see, think about Joseph for just a moment. 17 years old. Any of y'all perfect when you were 17? Uh, yeah. We need to have this altar wide open. Come on down, confess your sins one to another, right? Most of us, when we're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, We got it all under control, right? Went to a baseball game yesterday with my family, and I was standing in line to pick up another ticket, and the guy in front of me, I was just kind of chuckling. The guy in front of me, he was singing along. The national anthem was going on, and he's singing along. His, his daughter had to be about 14 years old. She said, oh, this is why I don't go anywhere with you. You are so embarrassing. Yeah. Like Mark, Mark Twain said, my... My father, when I was 14 years old, was so stupid, I couldn't stand to be in the same room with him. When I turned 21, I was amazed at how much he learned in seven years' time. Another time he said, you got a 15-year-old, put him in a barrel, cover it, leave a hole, feed him through the hole. When they turn 18, plug the hole. (laughs) We, we, We need to understand 
what's taking place here. Joseph is 17, and I'm sure he has the world on a string. (laughs) And I'm daddy's favorite. My brothers, they're not dad's favorite. I am on top of the world. There's nothing that's hidden from me. There's nothing that is out of my reach. I am on top. You see what could have happened there? Now, we like to see the story because we see the story from beginning to end, and we see the whole thing and the way Joseph lived his life. But I want you to note some of the things that went on. Joseph, he was was top dog. Parents, I need you to be careful for a minute and understand this because if we're not cautious with playing favorites, not only can bitterness and pride be birthed, but arrogance and hatred can come as a result of it. So we want to be very careful that we don't bring about pride and bitterness by our playing favorites. Well, I just love this one. Good. I wonder if our Heavenly Father was the same kind of father. Would you be the favorite? Or would you be one of the other brothers? I'm here to tell you, I'd probably be one of the other brothers. So I'm so thankful my Heavenly Father does not play favorites. Now, some can understand this a little bit different, and I'm sure someone's going through their mind. Uh, actually, yes, he does, Pastor Andy. He does play favorites because some people are going to heaven and some people are going to hell. That's favoritism within his children. He offers to you and to you and to you and to you an opportunity to have as strong a relationship as you desire. You want to have a strong relationship with the Lord? It is there for you. He doesn't withhold it from you and give it to somebody else. And because you're not worthy, it's because we choose to not exercise the Holy Spirit of God within us. We can have as much of God or as little as God of God as we choose. Well, Pastor, I don't have the kind of faith that you do. Spend the time in the Word. Well, Pastor, I've got more faith than you do. Praise the Lord. It's not about what I have. It's about your personal walk with Him. We need to be careful, parents, teachers. Be careful with favoritism. You see, if you look there in verse 5, it says, Joseph dreamed a dream and was told his, uh, and told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaves uh, arose and, and stood upright, and behold, all of your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. In other words, paid homage. And he dreamed yet, uh, oh, I'm sorry, verse 8. Um, and his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, and shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a, a dream more. And behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars stood and made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? 
Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, and his father observed the saying, but his father observed the saying. Joseph was a prophet. Now, kids, we typically think of prophets as old men hunched over with a cane, big, long, white beard, and they're walking through life, and all of a sudden, a big cloud appears, and a light from the cloud comes down on him, and he's, huh? Listen, prophet. What? They don't have miracle here yet. Right? That's what we typically envision with prophets. We think old people. Here's a 17-year-old prophet. Right? This specific fella, he dreamed dreams. And he had the ability not only to dream the dream, but to understand it. I've dreamed a lot of dreams in my day. I don't understand them all. I'm still waiting for that huge pizza the size of a semi-truck to appear that I can eat every piece of it. I have yet to find it, and I'm still trying to figure out why God sent me that message. (laughs) I don't think it was a message from God. I think I just ate too much pizza the night before. But I want us to see a couple things with this. Imagine the scene with everyone sitting around to breakfast, and he comes down, and he says, oh, guys, <laughs> we were out in a field, and we were binding up sheaves, and mine stood straight and tall, and yours bowed down before me. What do you think? I think there's probably some noogies, swirlies, and whatever else, big brothers, pink bellies, and everything else going on. And then the next morning, he comes in, and he's thinking to himself, My brothers didn't really appreciate the dream from yesterday. Perhaps I should keep this one to myself and talk to dad just one-on-one. No. He comes in for breakfast and he says, guys, you got to hear this one. Not only you guys, but mom and dad too. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't exactly the smartest thing, was it? You see what favoritism can do? Brought it right up. And the Bible says that they hated him. And they were envious of him. Now, yes, it's on them. It's on them for their attitudes. It's on them for the way that they uh, treated and the way that they acted. But parents, we need to be careful that we're not causing these things. Well, pastor, I just want my son to have everything. I just want my daughter to have everything. Well, praise be to God for your unspeakable gifts. But maybe, just maybe, God wants them to learn something else. Enough of that. Well, let's think about the other side of this. But we need to be careful not to get a big head. Kids, <laughs> you may be mama's boy. You may be daddy's little girl. You may feel that you can't do any wrong. But we need to be careful not to get a big head because God wants us to serve one another. Serve one another. Look at Genesis uh, chapter 37, verse 17. uh, uh, Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers, 
and he sends him to a place called Dathan. And it says in verse 17, it says, The man said, talking because Joseph couldn't find him, and he stopped and asked the guy where they were. So the man said, They departed from hence, uh, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him from afar off, before he came near they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast has devoured him, and we, will see, we shall see what will become of his dreams. So one day Jacob's got his other boys out in the field working, and Joseph is home playing video games, right? Eating chips, sitting on the couch. And he says, hey, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers. They're in Dothan. So he makes his way to Dothan. He gets to Dothan. They're nowhere to be seen. Now, Joseph could have just gone, well, I guess I can't do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going home. But Joseph decided, no, my dad wanted me to check on him. Now, you can look at this in a couple different ways. Uh Uh-oh, they're not where they're supposed to be. I can't wait to tell dad. Or maybe he genuinely wanted to do what was right and go and follow the, uh, follow the plan that, the, that his father had given to him. We'll look at just a couple more things with this. If you continue to read down through, it says in verse 21, Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said of them, shed no blood, but cast him into a pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Reuben saw it, and he says, no, we probably shouldn't be doing this. Let's just hold on to him, and we'll just put him in this pit. And he wanted to later on go back, get him out of the pit, take him back to his dad. Well, while he wasn't paying attention... Verse 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, they stripped Joseph of his coat of many colors that was on him. Verse 24, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it that we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. So you see the high point, he was daddy's best. Low point, now Joseph has gone from being his daddy's favorite to being sold into slavery. I want you to see how quickly life can change. Things are going great. I'm on top of the world. Now I'm down at the bottom. I'm in the pit being sold into slavery. Now, we can, we can look at many different points of application with this, but I want us to think about how quickly we can be to begin to worry. How fast we can start worrying about what's going on and what's happening, and the entire time we're worrying, we stopped trusting God. So don't be so quick to worry. Be quick to trust God, even when we're scared. 
I want you to notice a few more things here. If you jump to chapter 39, if you know the story much, you know where we're pretty much going with this. But Joseph wasn't just sold into slavery. He was sold to a certain man by the name of Potiphar. After he works and he continues to work with Potiphar for a little while, look at verse number 1 of chapter 39. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the hands of the Ishmaelites, which uh, had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in the sight in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Now, here's this slave, and he starts to work for Potiphar, and everything's going great. God is blessing Joseph. Joseph is a man of integrity. He's a man of hard work. He knows how to get out there. He knows how to, how to get his knuckles bloody. He knows how to, how to get his hands in the dirt. He knows how to, how, to, how to not be lazy and how to not be complacent. And because God is working in his life and he has a good work ethic and he's got integrity, Potiphar sees this and he starts to put him over his entire household. Now, again, things start to look up for Joseph. I want us to understand that there are high points and low points in our life. But we need to be careful not to lose focus on the main point. Because if we're not cautious, we see the high points or we see the low points, and we lose sight of why we have high points and why we have low points. And Joseph, I believe, uh, somewhere in the midst of all this, started to have an understanding because it's evident when we get back to chapter 50. In chapter 50, his brothers are worried that he's going to take it out on them now that daddy's gone. And he says no, and as a matter of fact, it broke his heart that they would think such a thing. And he says, no, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Somewhere from the time that he was daddy's favorite to the time he's over here in Potiphar's house, something started to click to him, and he realized, even though I am down in the depths, I am still going to trust God, and I'm still going to do what's right. We need to remember that there is a main point in life, and we've talked about this many times in the past. That main point is simply this. You and I were created to be in the image of God, to reveal him. So how can we do that? How can we do it as daddy's favorite, and how can we do it as a slave? No matter where we are in this walk of life, no matter what we're doing, no matter what our role is in the family, we have a way to reveal God. Dads, you can reveal God to your children. You can reveal God to your wife. Children, you can reveal God to your parents. You can reveal God to your friends. Moms, you can reveal God to your husbands and to your children. Grandparents, you can reveal God to your children and your grandchildren. Aunts and uncles, you may have nieces and nephews who don't have anyone revealing God to them. That's on you. You see, no matter where we are in this life, we have someone that we can help show God to. Thankfully, Joseph did not get lazy. 
and he did not lose his focus. You know the story, and you can read this on your own time, but as you continue to go through uh, chapter 39 from 6 on down, uh, you find that Joseph, he had a problem. He had somebody that wanted to play kissy face with him. And some of you boys and girls, you're like, oh, that's disgusting. That's just disgusting. I love to play kissy face with my wife and my kids be around and go, Dad, oh, my goodness. Few things in this life I enjoy more than trying to make my kids throw up. But Joseph had this woman who was a married woman, wanted to play kissy face with him. Whoa, what's Joseph going to do? Well, look with me, if you would, at verse 11 and 12. It says, and it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. Come on over here, let's cuddle. What's Joseph going to do? It says, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. I had a young man ask me one time, says, says I'm, I'm tired of getting picked on. I need someone to show me how to fight and how to stand up for myself. I said, outstanding, I can do that. I can show you one move that will keep you from ever having to worry about another fight again. I'll show you one move, and you'll be able to avoid them all. He says, all right. Just one move. And if you learn this one move, you'll never have another fight. He says, really? And I said, yep. I said, go ahead and get ready. Square up with me. So he got his fists up, you know. Jack Johnson, right? He got his fists up ready to go. I got my fists up ready to go. He says, what was that? I said, it's called running away, son. I almost killed myself right there. <laughs> my heart's still in my shoes. <laughs> <sighs> Y'all gonna have to give me a second here. My heart's still pounding. <laughs> Woo! I'm about to go change in a minute. You see, Joseph didn't wait around to see if he could handle it. He got out. He got out. And it doesn't, I love the way the word of God puts it. You see that in verse 12? It says, you caught him by the garment, blah, 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 blah. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. That's the hillbilly version right there. He took off running, stepping in a fetching. He couldn't get out there. There wasn't enough giddy up in his hitch. He got on. Couldn't get out quick enough. There's too many times, boys and girls, we find ourselves in a position of temptation. And we don't run. Because here's what we think. We think to ourselves, it's, it's not a big deal. Or maybe we don't have a desire to 
fall or to do that sin that we're being tempted to do. We just think that we're strong enough to be, I can handle it. I can, I, I know that guy is always wanting me to do the wrong things, but I can hang out with him and I can still handle it. I know that friend of mine, he's always trying to talk me into doing the bad things, but I can keep him from doing those bad things. Listen to me, my friends. If you hear nothing else, hear this. When sin is in the room, run. Run. Young men, young women, I know there's some, uh, some young people in here that maybe have in their mind uh, getting uh, you know, the dating life and things like that, and you start to have, catch eyes for boys, you catch eyes for girls. Hopefully the boys are catching eyes with the girls, and the girls are catching eyes with the boys. That's another topic for another day. But it, it, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself in precarious positions someday, and this is why we don't put ourselves in the same room with someone that we're not married to. This is why we don't do certain things. We don't put ourselves in positions that we can't get out of. So when mom and dad are giving you rules like, no, 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 I don't want you to hang out with the with, with those people, or no, 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 I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't think they're the best influence on you, you need to listen and hear what they're trying to say. I'm trying to keep you from those opportunities that you have to run from. Whenever there's an opportunity to do wrong, run. Get out as fast as you can. He finds himself in prison because of this. She lies about him, tells her husband that he tried to hurt her. Now his character has been defamed. People are telling stories about him. That's no fun. You see, he's gone from being a high, in a high point to down in a low point, back up to a high point, now down to a low point again. Now, here he is in prison. Bible lets us know that God blesses all that he did. If you look in chapter 39, verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And so the prison, the, the keeper of the prison put him in a high position. And so he's going up, back down, then up, back down, then slightly up. He's still in prison, but at least he's not the lowest of the low in the prison. And then if we know the story, we know that Pharaoh sends two of his servants. They get thrown in jail, the, uh, the cupbearer and the baker. And this is where his dreaming interpretation comes back into play. You see, I want you to understand something, boys and girls. God gives to us the ability to point others to him. Joseph was no different. Now, they didn't have the written word back then, but Joseph knew who God was. Joseph knew that there was one true God, the God of Israel, Joseph understood this, and when he's talking to, with these, these men who have these dreams, and he starts to help them to understand some of the things that are going on in their life and in their dreams, one of them is going to get executed, and he has to deliver the news. Can you imagine some, one of your friends has some bad news, and you got to be the one to deliver it to him? Uh I don't know how to tell you this, but um, 
king's going to cut your head off. Right? Right? The other one, he got good news. King's going to give you your job back. It's easy to handle the good news. It's difficult to handle the bad news, isn't it? Well, he thought that they were going to, uh, that the butler, the cupbearer, he thought that he was going to let Pharaoh know about him and maybe he was going to get out of jail. But the Bible lets us know that the cupbearer completely forgot. Never bothered to tell Pharaoh for two years. Two years. He's found himself down in prison. He started to make his way up. And then he thought things were going to get even better when this guy gets out of prison. He's going to tell Pharaoh about him and he's going to get out of prison. But for two years, nothing. Two years, he stayed there. Remember that no matter how alone we may feel, God is still at work. Remember that. Remember that. Just a couple more things and we're going to be done. Finally, the day comes where Pharaoh himself has a dream. If you jump to Genesis 41, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat and uh, fleshed, and they uh, fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came out up after them uh, out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat of the seven uh, well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. So Pharaoh has a dream. And he calls all of his old guys to come and tell him what the dream's about. And they're like, oh, we can't figure it out. We have no idea. And so what do they do? They're all the servants talking amongst themselves. And the cupbearer goes, I remember Joseph. So he tells Pharaoh about Joseph, and then Joseph comes, and he's, he, he's brought before the king. They clean him up. They get him looking good. They get him smelling good. They get him smelling better than good because he's gone before the king, and he's been in prison for several years now. He probably didn't smell too pretty. They get him all cleaned up. They get him showered and shaved, and they get him a haircut, and, and uh, he comes up before the, before the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh gives him his, uh, um, his dream. Joseph interprets the dream. So as we get in there, I want you to look at verse uh, 14. And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Notice this next verse. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love the way Joseph made sure through it all, he said, it's nothing about me. God's the one that gives the answers. God's the one that knows. He'll talk to you and he'll tell me what to tell you, but it's not me. 
Here he finds himself interpreting the dream for Pharaoh. And if you drop down from 41 to verse 37, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Back up again. Back up again. I want you to see. I want you to see how wonderfully God is able to work in and through the lives of those who are willing to let him. Now we have the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs. And so often we are quick to get upset when we're in the downs. And we look back and we reminisce over the ups. And we lose what God is trying to teach us in the downs. So what can we learn from all of this? Let's, let's think about a few things for just a moment. Number one, we need to be careful with favoritism. We need to be very careful with this. Parents, are we provoking our children to anger? Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. I wonder if uh, Jacob realized how much he had provoked his children to wrath. You see, sometimes I think trying to create a high point in our children's lives, we lead them into a place where they're getting ready to get knocked off the top. We need to be careful that we don't instill pride and arrogance. We need to be cautious with this, parents. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we honoring God with the way we are parenting our children. Number two, be careful with jealousy and envy. Kids, just because mom and dad might show a little bit of favoritism, or they might buy Johnny a toy and didn't get Susie anything that day. We got to be careful with jealousy and envy. You see where it took Joseph's brothers? We hear kids, they argue a lot of times and they get to the place where they just stomp their feet. I hate you. Whoa. We need to be cautious with that. Be careful that we're not allowing ourselves to become jealous and envious of what others have. The Bible tells us to where to humble ourselves. And I think sometimes we're so excited about getting what they have or having as much as they have and getting high on a place. It's not fair that they're up there and I'm down here. The Bible says, humble yourselves before God and he will lift you up. The greatest way to get to that high point is to get to the low point. Bible tells us to be humble, that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I'll never get here proud, arrogant. It's only when I get down 
that God can lift me up. Number three, always do right. Always do right. Even when it looks like it's going to turn out, if I do this, I'm going to get, people are going to think the wrong thing of me. Listen, do right. It's never right to do wrong, and it's never wrong to do right. Number four, when sin is in the room, run. Run as fast as you can. Get out. If you have to throw whatever it is off to the side and take off running, go for it, kicking and screaming. And last, God is always working in our life. Always. Remember that. You remember where we started at the very beginning of all this over in Genesis chapter 50? Go back there with me if you would. Long story short, Joseph's family ended up there in Egypt. Here he was, the king. The only person that was higher than him in Egypt was Pharaoh himself. His family ends up there, and then later, years later, his father uh, finally passes away. And Joseph, talking to his brothers who were afraid, says in verse 19, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Listen, boys, girls, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, I want you to understand something. There are many things in our life that are going to seem unsavory, unenjoyable, and downright detestable. But God only allows into our life what He can use for good. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, your Heavenly Father does not stand off to the side and just let everything hit you. He uses it for good. Paul, talking in Romans chapter 8, he said, All things do work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The question we need to ask ourselves when we find ourselves in that low point, what's God doing? What's God doing in our life? I love the way James puts it. He talks to us and he says, when you find yourself in these diverse temptations and trials and tribulations, He doesn't say pray for deliverance or for escape or get me out of this. He says pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom. God, I need you to help me. I don't understand why I'm in this low point. I don't want to just look back all the time on the high points. I want to be right here where you have me. And help me to see what's best. Give me wisdom. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in our lives, you are always working. We thank you, Father, that you do care. 
that you are watching out, that you are invested. I pray, Father, that we would never forget that. That as parents, we would be careful with what we do. As children, we would be careful with how we respond. That as brothers and sisters, we would be cautious about envy and jealousy. That when sin rears its ugly head, we would, as Joseph did, run. We thank you, Father, that he is such a wonderful picture to us of Christ. And the way that he went through pain and suffering be able to deliver his family from death. So, Father, help us as we see this and we see Jesus in the midst of all the pictures, that we too would look for ways to be more like him. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church, 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.